Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Today on My Millennial Money, it's tax time, baby. We're going to have a bit of a chat about tax and uh, we'll try and get you the maximum return possible. Hey, John. Hey, Glenn. What's going on? Mate, just living a life in the city. John's sitting on a nice leather lounge. We're actually at the Sheridan on the Park mm. in Sydney. We've got Hannah. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Glenn. Welcome, hey, John. Welcome, Hannah. Hannah's a listener of the podcast and she came to the Sydney event and she's an accountant and a lot smarter than both of us. So Put together. Over to you, <laughs> Hannah. <laughs> You've got the mic for 50 minutes. So let's have a chat about tax. You guys ready? Love it. Yeah. Sweet. We're talking about hints and tips, deductions, work-related expenses, if you're working from home, self-education expenses, work-related travel, common errors, hex, help, using MyGov, all that stuff. You're listening to My Millennial Money. We're talking to Instagram models all day, every day. Now, Kelsey, tell me, are you really a model if you take your own photos? I don't think so. So thanks, Hannah, for uh, giving us your afternoon and sneaking out of work. Now, did you? This is the question, John. Mm. Did you tell your employer, Hannah, that you've got a very important appointment, or did you say I'll, I'll make the time up? How do you do it? How did you get out of work early? Well, I actually have some stuff to do tonight anyway, so I just said I was leaving early and I'll be back online later. Oh, nice! Ooh, That's the lingo, isn't it? it? Yeah, I'm back online. Back online later, and mm. a handy hint, just for anyone who works from home. If you're ever talking with clients, don't tell them I work from home or I'm working from home today. Tell them I'm working remotely. Or off-site. Or off-site. Mm. Thank you. So I don't want yeah. to deal with someone in their pajamas. Like, I will, but don't tell me you are. Yeah, or the dog in the background. Oh, that's a killer, isn't it? Yeah. It's always yeah. next door's dog. It's never yours. No. <laughs> no. Remember the dog on series one of the podcast? Oh, how can I not? Before I go to Hannah... I'll put John on the spot. What do you hope to get out of today's episode? Because you just look so prepared. <laughs> <laughs> I've got all these notes and these burning and, questions and that I want to ask. And Hannah. it was a four o'clock appointment here and you're late. I knew you were already doing something. So <laughs> I, I arrived five minutes oh. later because of it. Right, right. Uh, what do I want to get out of it? I want to pay less tax. Okay. So I'm going to ask Hannah how I'm going to do that. Right, okay. She's going to give me the answer. Right. You? I, I'm all about little one percenters that I can implement in my day-to-day life or remove friction points or remove annoying things throughout the year to make tax time a pleasant process. Because and as easy as possible, yeah. Absolutely. Because mm. if you're like us, John, um, and you run your own business, yeah, it's actually such a pain in the ass when it comes to tax time. Yeah. So how do I make my life easier? At tax time, and particularly when you've got investment properties and mm. and all that, so 
Yeah, I think it's a bit of a headspace around it, isn't it? You can can choose to think of, as a positive to say, well, this is my time to mm. make sure my my back end's in order. Yeah, absolutely. And then reset for How the next your 12 back months. End? Oh, it's usually pretty solid, but... No, no, John had a recent health scare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, all jokes aside, I quite enjoy it. I enjoy this time of year. Yeah, no, yeah. all jokes aside, don't leave everyone hanging with your health scare. You oh, pulled a muscle. Oh, you mean my hamstring? Yeah, because you said Which, your back end. Yes, correct. Sorry. Yeah, no, I'm getting you. Yeah. I just ignored it. <laughs> I think everyone else's minds went elsewhere. Yeah, no, I'm recovering. Yeah, recovering so quite well. You're you're a survivor, aren't you? I'm a survivor. Yeah. yeah. The ATO focus on something different every year, or yes. they proclaim to. What is it for this year? Um, well, if you were looking at the budget recently, um, and now that you know the the government has actually sorted out and we know mm-hmm. who's in power. Um, there was more money given to the ATO to look at work-related deductions. Yeah. So very topical at the moment and mm. good that we're talking about it. Um, you know, the typical um, multinational tax avoidance as per normal. I think that's almost every year. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the main one. Um, the other area of focus was around the single-touch payroll reporting, which we can talk about at the end because that's, that's going to change for most people mm. as of this year. Okay, so so what's a work related? Well, what's a work related expense? As an example, that a normal uh, person who has a job who gets a group certificate, like what would that an example be? So, um, if you are a member member of a union in relation to your job, so that's a really classical work related deduction. Um, that's that's the kind of thing that they would be focusing on: um, working from home, work related travel self-education expenses, those kinds of things. Anything that relates to your earning your income. Yeah, yeah. and okay. by focus, does that mean making sure people aren't claiming things that aren't accurate? That's correct. Yeah, sure. so accuracy and also making sure that you can substantiate The validity of it. Yeah, exactly. I can't believe I said that word once without <laughs> stuffing up. So from the budget, the ATL are given more of our money to spend time on checking up to see if we're doing things right. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Well, it's um, a self-reporting system. Yeah. yeah, it's a self-assessment system, so it's up to the individual to make sure that yeah. they're doing things properly. Um, and in the background, they have a lot of data matching capability where yeah. they look at your occupation and what your income level is and what other people are claiming for the same occupation mm. or the same income level and saying, is that, does that look about right or is it, is it you know, are you one of those outliers? Mm. And then yeah. asking more questions. And do they delve a bit deeper and say, well, someone in that industry or that occupation lives in Sydney versus someone living in Mudgee, their expenses are going to be far greater? Yeah, they, they um, do it um, on a, through a different, different uh, levels of detail. Yeah. Um, so they could focus on one particular type of expense or they could focus on just you in your role. This seems, um, you know, higher oh, than, than yeah. the average. And for this little chat today, I'll also be the advocate for the person who's a small business owner, but also if you've just got the one employer, if, for example, you can go on the ATO website, and correct me if this has changed, Hannah, um, and see what the average percentages of expenses are for your industry. Um, I don't think they really have that that information available now, and I think part of that is because that they are focusing more on it because they want you to be, I suppose, more legitimate with your claims. Um, but they do have a guide based on your occupation as to the types of things that you can sure. claim. So if you're not sure, that's the first place to look. Because I remember looking online just out of curiosity on the ATO website, and you might be right, it might be gone now, 
if you were if you were if you were running an architectural firm, they would let you claim up to thirty percent of X or something. Yeah. So for each industry, I mean, I guess they get, it's easy for them to set the automatic parameters. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could see why businesses and individuals take advantage of that if the figures are up there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, they did float the idea of giving everyone a standard deduction as well. So interesting. That'd that be easier, wouldn't it? For, I think for the average person who doesn't have much to claim, it would make things simpler. But mm. I think for those people who legitimately have more claims, then they would be the ones who'd lose out. Friend of mine, shout out, Nath Robbo, if you're listening. He sent me a text the other day. He got a letter from the ATO uh, and one of his employers, and it was a bit confusing, um, one of his employers didn't give him a group certificate or PAYG summary, but they've reported the tax. And he was confused. So the ATO said, hey, we've been told that you've paid this much tax and we've withheld this much, blah, blah, blah. There's a mismatch. And we got to the bottom of it that one of his employers didn't give him a PAYG summary. So there's all that type of data matching going on. The biggest thing that is an example of data matching is giving you, making sure that you've given your tax file number to your bank. So if you earn interest on your... Um, bank account, the bank will tell the ATO how much interest you've generated and at the end of the year, that interest will go onto your tax return. Now, do this right now, everyone. Open up your internet banking. Make sure your bank has your tax file number because, Hannah, what happens if you don't give your bank your tax file number? So, they withhold tax at the highest rate and then it's up to you to go through all and, your bank statements. And claim it back. Find out how much tax has been what withheld, how much interest yeah. you have yeah. and put it on your return. Mm. Yeah. So, if you get any notifications from your bank that you haven't given them your tax file number, mm. you must give get in there now, give them your tax file number or it could be costing you up to 50% of withholding tax, essentially. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? Mm. Um, and, the, and the world of data matching is so much easier for them, isn't it? With like claiming expenses, I was in Bali on a work trip and then on Facebook they're uh, lying beside <laughs> the pool. Like They actually look on social media accounts and everything, don't they, if they need to? There's um, plenty of ways um, that they can data match and um, they've mentioned recently that they are actually uh, moving forward with uh, collecting data from new sources that they weren't before, um, in focusing around the sharing economy. So if you're generating money through you know, Airbnb or Uber, making sure that that information is being shared as well. I guess what you're saying is, Hannah, don't break the law. And, uh, and she's also saying it's a lot harder to do that if you're out there thinking that you might want to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, break the rules. Yeah. yeah. And it's actually interesting. I heard on the radio last night, I jumped in the car, it was late at night, there was someone talking and I think he was some, you know, futurist or something and talked about tax. You might even know, Hannah. And he's saying governments need to reduce tax rates because the higher the tax rates are, there's more incentive for people to want to avoid paying it. It's interesting, like the, the Liberals, are, now that they're retaining power, um, talking about changing tax rates, and which is a great outcome for um, those who are on the highest bracket. And just on this rabbit warren about tax rates and whatnot, we've booked in a friend of mine in the States. He's going to dial in to the podcast and we're just going to have an episode and he's going to explain what universal basic income is. Cool. Oh, that's everyone, awesome. Yeah, because everyone throws that idea around. And I'm thinking, what the hell does that mean? Does it mean everyone just gets 20 grand a year? And yeah. I don't know. So, anyway, we're off topic, but. We have to do that at 8 o'clock at night. 
No, we'll make sure Morning. he's up at 11.30 p.m. Cool. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so going back to that, it's like, just be honest. And mm. as a sidebar, we did an Express episode uh, before recording this, which has been up long before this one goes live. But we talked about the hints and tips. Mm. And you talked about preparing throughout the year. Yeah, just being organized and making sure that that you have, like, the information available when you need it so you're not scrambling just before the deadline to get your information together but then also it mitigates um, having issues later on where you find something after the fact and have to go back and amend yeah and what i tell people particularly in small business you know you hear the stories like oh i um i got my shoebox full of receipts and gave to my accountant don't pay your accountant to be your freaking bookkeeper Mm. pay your accountant to do the accounts yeah so i've got a good bookkeeper who does the books throughout the year, every quarter, and then I gift wrap the zero file or the accountant can log in or whatever and then do the return. So for the benefit, Hannah, of the listeners here, if I'm a self-employed business owner out there and I've realised that maybe there's some amendments that need to be made in my previous tax returns, how many years can I go back? So when you file your return in the first place, you'll get issued with what's called a notice of assessment from the ATO, which summarises their review of your return. And then from the date on that assessment, you have generally have two years to, to go back and amend. If you're not a small business person and you're an individual PAYG, you know, you're employed, throughout the year, as Hannah says, make it as simple as possible. If it's having your Gmail and having a flag of tax 2019, Every time you get a receipt, put it in. If you keep a spreadsheet in your Google Docs or something, every year you, or if you donate something ad hoc, just keep a record. Mm. So at least at tax time, one, you've got all the data there that you can just send to the accountant and it will take them two minutes. Yeah. So it's say, it, it might be cheaper because the accountant's spending less time going back and forward asking you mm. information. But two, it makes your job easier. Yeah, that's right. You don't have to do it all in mm. end of June. And so it's funny, like one with the investment property thing, a lot of people, and you might be one of them, John, manage your own rental properties, for example. I've just put a friend in one of my properties. I still use the property manager because I want their system to do all the um, financial tracking yeah. throughout the year. Absolutely. So, I, I, I would endorse doing that. I'd, I would never manage my own property. I mean, the, yeah, it's just the, a hassle. It's funny. The management fee for me isn't dealing with the tenant. It's just keeping no. track. Like I send the council rates to the property manager direct. They pay mm-hmm. it. Like it's, I'm just outsourcing the admin. Mm-hmm. At the end of the year, here's a statement, rent received, expenses, yeah. net. Like it's just... Yeah. Yeah, and, and you can claim the, the running costs of that anyway, and, and it's the third party, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and if you're like a PAYG, you know, uh, you receive a payment summary, if you go into your accountant with your things organised for that meeting, you can actually get so much more out of that meeting with your accountant than them rifling through your shoebox trying yeah. to find your receipt absolutely. for something. Do you and see many shoeboxes these days? We is still it? do, yes. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Unfortunately. And what I would say to people... When you're talking with your accountant, and I loosely use the term, like, it's a really bad joke. Someone says, oh, you're a financial advisor. Is that like an accountant? I'm like, no, we deal in the future, baby. They just like, (laughs) they just do an autopsy of the past. By definition, they account. Like it's, so, but within that, when you're seeing your accountant, just ask the question. Don't just let them do an autopsy. Just go, hey, if you or me, 
what are one or two things that you might do different next year? So just pick their brain about the future. Yeah. I mean, a good accountant should be doing that A good anyway, accountant should, John, but there are so many accountants still that we deal with every day with our clients yeah. that they go to some, you know, old accountant in the back of freaking Timbuktu and yeah. they're just literally doing an autopsy. Yeah. And not yeah. thinking outside the square. Yeah, and I, I don't want to make this a selection criteria over sacking and employing new accountants, but it is a good time of the year where you can assess the mm. team of people, and one of those and is I, obviously making know, sure you're And I've interested, Hannah, like you've heard our podcast for some time, and we make the odd jab at the accountants, or like I think I did an interview once, and someone said they used to be an accountant. I'm like, all right, stop, end the episode there. You didn't tell me you're an accountant. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm such an advocate for an accountant. So Very. I would say always pay for an accountant. Uh, I sent somebody to an accountant last financial year and they said, it cost me $220 and I got the exact same return as if I would have done it myself. I'm like, yeah, but what if you didn't? Like, what mm. if there was something in your industry that came up that you didn't know about? Yeah. Yeah, I think what you should be getting out of those meetings is not just your tax return being done, but the other part is the education or Absolutely. having that opportunity to ask those questions. You know, I'm looking to salary package a car or that kind of exactly. thing. Use that opportunity to get yes. to ask those questions and then determine if you need more help. And, that's, sure. and that goes to like, you know, we talked about, you know, should someone do their own tax return online? Absolutely. If you just want to do an autopsy and you think you know it all, knock yourself out. And I'm not having a go at anyone that does it themselves. I'm just saying, don't see the accountant as just doing what you can do because they know a lot more than you do. Even if you saw an accountant every two years, I don't know, I'm just making something up. But don't be afraid to spend money with professionals to get more information. Mm. And part of it's around the peace of mind too, is having that sounding board. So I think we talked about having that echo chamber in your mind. Yes. You might think that things work one way. You speak to someone else and get clarity on that. So at least you'll know going forward. But mm. also then you have that peace of mind. And I think, um, you know, money is very emotive for people. Um, you know, if it turns out that they you owe tax, people can get really upset. And having a professional there to help you um, making sure that you get it correct, but also working through with you if it is a payable, how does that come about? What can be done differently in the future? Things like that. If that's you know, if that's a a problem for you, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think as an individual, you've got to show initiative to your accountant as well. Like, yes, you're a number in there in from their point of view. You've got to show initiative and say, right, we're a month out from June 30. I might just contact my accountant and say, look, what do I need to get in preparation for my return? things I need to do before, do I have to go and spend some money before June 30, what do I need to do? Because if you're sitting around waiting for your experts to ring you, then it might not happen. And an accountant might say, like, hey, it's 30 June, you can now claim a personal superannuation contribution on tax. Hey, have you got a spare five grand laying around? Yeah, you earn 80 grand a year, throw it in super, it'll be worth it. Like, so it's just those discussions. Yeah, definitely. So, Hannah, if you're, there's a lot of listeners that are, are running their side hustle or indeed full time self employed. Tell us more about the work 
oh, sorry, work from home related expenses and the square meter rates and all those sort of bizarre. Yeah, so um, we mentioned earlier um, the ATO has a, a rate that you can apply per hour if you are working from home. So if you don't want to keep track of your utilities or your heating and cooling costs, you can just apply that hourly rate. Um, that would be in addition to, say, the proportion of your mobile phone expenses, your internet, the different things like that that you can claim when you're working from home. Um, if you have a separate office set aside or a separate, um, you know how some people will have, say, a hairdresser salon where they'll have a separate um, entrance for their, their clients to come, um, you can look at claiming your um, rental mortgage portion in relation to that. But unless you have a separate office that's, that's separate, set aside for that purpose, um, or you're required to work from home as part of your, your employment, um, your, uh, you won't necessarily be able to claim those living or um, structural expenses such as, you know, your rent and your mortgage. Yeah. I like the idea of being able to claim some of your mortgage as a result of working from home, but the, the stipulation is you can't have an office somewhere else and claim your mortgage because you've worked two hours a night at home, right? Yeah, it's exactly right, exactly right. I thought with that, Johnny, um, if, for example, I did work two hours at night, I could claim a pro rata portion of the mortgage on tax, but then I've triggered my house, that pro rata, into CGD, CGT land if I then go to sell. Yeah, so if you are able to claim a portion of your mortgage um, on your tax return, then you could have capital gains tax to pay later when you do sell yeah, the property. It's clunky. Yeah, so as a rule of thumb, like I live in a home that I own with a mortgage on it, I do a fair bit of work from there. I don't claim any of my home expenses on tax because it's just too messy for me. Yeah, CJT. Yes, and which yeah. is capital gains tax. So uh, it's it's a very good one, the, the working from home thing. Um, just I'll pick you up when you said the ATO have benchmarks, for example. Mm-hmm. Now, they're going to be conservative benchmarks. So if they say, if you work from home for 10 hours a week, you can claim X amount per hour on electricity, right? you'd probably be safer to get your power bill for the quarter, divide it by how many hours in the quarter, and then times that by 10, for example. You'd probably end up with a a more accurate amount if you did it that way, but um, some people just think that's probably a bit too difficult or hard to work out. Sure. Um, But as long as your estimate is reasonable and you can, if you were asked by the ATO how you work that out, that you can demonstrate You can prove it, yeah. And I think... I would like to go out on a limb right now and say, if you are a, if you are somebody who has a side hustle, you are someone who's self-employed, you just need to pay an accountant straight up. No brainer. I'm pro- if you're a PAYG um, or young casual worker, knock yourself out if you want to do it online. You know, I'm sleeping just as well tonight, but I would still encourage you to at least see if you can get an accountant low cost in your area just to help. Is that a fair... Yes, definitely. I mean, whatever anyone does who's listening, I'm sleeping just as well tonight. I've got a nice memory you foam curve. Right, I've got a nice memory foam curve pillow nah. and I'm sleeping beautifully. So, nice. so yeah. it's just a little in encourage- fluffy pyjamas. <laughs> yeah. 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 So regarding the benchmarks and, and what's reasonable and what's not, I, I suppose I liken it to doing 62 in a 60 zone you're probably okay but if you if you're doing 80 in a 60 zone then you might be in strife 
So that's um, why, well, I suppose it's one of the focus areas of the OTO at the moment is the work related. Speeding. <laughs> Speeding. Um, work related deductions. So yeah. um, I suppose the question will be is that can you demonstrate how you've, you've come to those figures and, and yeah. are you comfortable with that or have you, have you pushed the boundaries there? Yeah. Because it's interesting, like if I had to fly to Queensland for a day trip to see a client, so the whole trip was legitimate business, the ATO don't specify that I have to go um, Tiger Airways economy no. $29 return. I could claim $700 return yeah. and go business. Yeah. As long as it's um, substantiated, yep. and they don't actually care about the number. They just need the proof. The reasoning. Yeah. And, yeah. and I also think um, if you say you were comparing a brand new graduate to a CEO, you'd expect that yeah. what they would deem reasonable would be quite different. Yeah. yeah if, you did, if you tacked on two days of holiday alongside it, then you've got some issues there. Yeah. And as a general rule, like if you're ever in need or any trouble or questions, the ATO, they're pretty helpful to call. Like I've had to call them with like my online tax portal and stuff like that. I think they just like talking to genuine people who want to know information, not because you've got to think most of the time someone's calling the ATO, it's with, I owe them money, there's a problem, they're probably whinging and mad. Yeah. But I've called a lot of the um, people there and just had a chat and they've been really helpful. <laughs> it's weird. And their website is actually really user-friendly. It's um, very easy to navigate and it's quite easy just to Google what you're looking for as well. Yeah, yeah. it is. Actually. I was on there today, actually. So... Self-education expenses, let's talk about that. What's yes. an example of a self-education expense and can I claim it? Um, your tuition fees are probably the most common and probably the largest proportion of your self-education yep. costs. Um, yep. uh, so, if you can demonstrate that you have a connection between your study and your your work-related income, um, so either that it's to help maintain your um, current skills in your role, like your CPD course today, yep. um, or if you are looking to, to uh, advance your skills in order to get a promotion or a pay increase, as long as you can demonstrate that connection, then you can claim a deduction in relation to your expenses in relation to that study. So, like, for example, I'm studying at the moment. I've got my um, travel to and from university. I've got... I can claim uh, my textbooks, uh, my amenity fees for the university, my tuition fees, wow. things like that. Yeah, wow. Cool. So what if someone was to engage Glenn as a financial advisor or John as a they, property coach? They would be the smartest people <laughs> on the planet, I reckon. How do we go with that and the wording around that? Uh, so generally, if it's um, advice in relation to ongoing financial advice, uh, then you can claim a deduction for it. Generally, if it's in relation to setting up your initial plan, uh, not necessarily tax deductible, but the ongoing advice is, yeah. Okay. So, keep your initial fee low and <laughs> pump up the ongoing. ongoing. yeah. I mean, but I guess me speaking on behalf of my industry, we have put a fair bit of pressure on the government to really look at that because if someone sees a financial advisor and they have to pay a fee, even if it's a $500 fee, catch up face-to-face -face personal cash flow. So, their own personal financial health is in a better position. That, yeah. You know, why not be able to um, claim that as a genuine expense because it's your money's linked to an income. And then just on that as well, uh, your income insurance is generally up to 100% tax deductible. Yeah. So, if you are looking, if you're not insured, you need to get insured like number one uh, and number two, your income protection 
uh, insurance is tax deductible. So your accountants love putting those numbers in. Yes. So income insurance yes. versus income protection. That's the same thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. No, that's all right. Well, you said income insurance initially, so sure. you meant income protection. Sure, they're both the same. Cool. Like potatoes and potatoes. Spelt like to- the same. Like tomatoes and tomatoes. Correct. Like John and Johnny. Johnny no, they're guns. different. <laughs> yeah, cool. All right, so hex debts. What, what can we do around those things? Um, so there's... Um, some changes around they change around the rates in terms of when you need to repay your hex pretty much every year um, but there's also been some changes for um, students if you are looking to go overseas or work abroad um, now you're actually required to continue repaying your hex debts when you're working abroad um, so the government is actually I suppose bringing Australia in line with a lot of other countries where um, you're required to repay your your help debt if you are you know skipping around the country or, you know, doing your your um, working holiday visa over in the UK. Interesting. So, the UK obviously has a double tax treaty with Australia. And so, if I moved to the UK for a year, earn 80K there, they would essentially make sure that I paid my hex bill. How do they... Is it self-reported? Yeah, so it is. <laughs> so, um, they've set up through MyGov, which we haven't really talked about how yeah. to use MyGov, but yeah. um, MyGov has been set up so that if you are going overseas for more than six months, you need to tell the ATO that you're leaving. Interesting. And um, that you effectively, if you don't need to do a return, then you self-report your income through. So, this is a very good situation of where I would suggest if you wouldn't necessarily pay for an accountant normally, then this is the yeah, kind of situation absolutely. when you would. Yeah. So, that's interesting because someone actually wrote in... Um, as a podcast question about they're going traveling overseas and about hex. And to be honest, I think I said to the person, I don't know, just probably forget about it. Don't worry. <laughs> don't do what I say. Um, if it's just a holiday, then, you know, it, yeah. it's, it's as per normal. But yeah. I think if it's a bit different if you were you going away indefinitely or, or you mm. are, you know, going to do your, your working holiday visa stint elsewhere. And just on that, if you're an Australian citizen and you have superannuation, and you move to another country and become a citizen of that other country, you cannot access your superannuation in Australia until preservation age, so over 65. The reason why they've done that is people were moving, you know, finding love abroad, going over there, getting married, having an amazing life, withdrawing their super, taking it, relationship breaks down, something, they end up moving back home, and then they've got no retirement assets in Australia and then they just end up on Centrelink. Mm. So, that's important. If you leave Australia, so my friend Nick, is he just married an American. He's moving back up to the States with Madeline. He super stays in Australia yep. until he's old enough. That's yep. cool. So, that's a bit of an... In- so, if I've got a hex debt of, say, 20000 which is probably minor in today's living, mm. uh, I get charged interest on that. Annually, so you have it's indexed each year in line with inflation. Yeah, so, okay. so not it's technically not, interest-free, John. Yeah, so not not as much as interest <laughs> yeah, at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I think it was like one point nine percent last yeah. year. Yeah, okay, so I might pay I don't know a couple hundred dollars in interest per year. Can I claim that amount? No, unfortunately not. And why is that? Um, I think it's well, tax in in itself or help as it's called now. Um, 
generally if you're doing an undergraduate degree, the fees are already reduced quite a lot by the government. So you're not paying what, say, an international student who's paying full fare. Uh, so part of the reason why there's mm. no deductions available for those is because of the fact that the government's already given you quite a big discount in the right. first yeah. place. Right, interesting. Well, I think that's where the... the um, the basis for that comes from. Because mm. generally it's a work-related expense, isn't it? Yes. We just haven't started the work yet. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Well, as Vince Scully said, HEX is a, a tax on – it's an education tax. Yeah. Basically. Mm. But the interesting thing, let's just swing back around to HEX or health debt. Mm. It's only tax deductible essentially, quote-unquote, to repay if your employer allows you to salary sacrifice a HEX or help. Repayment. So you'd need to be, um, when you are actually studying, claiming the deduction as you're studying rather than your repayment, which can be, you know, years after. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So if I've got a 20 grand hex or help debt like John and I go and have a holiday for three years around the world, not even earning an income, which is fine, get back to Australia, start to get, if I start to earn $80,000 a year, Yes, there is a portion of my salary garnish that goes straight to HEX or HELP. If any money I add to that repayment is post-tax dollars, isn't it? That's correct. Even yeah, so, if it's garnished. Yeah, so what happens through payroll is that they will withhold based on your gross income yep. and that's just added in as your tax figure on your your pay slip or your payment summary at your end and then when you file your return, um, they assess what your overall income is and what your repayment to your HEX is yep. for that year and then that money is then applied to your HEX debt at that time. So that will happen whenever you file your return. And just on HEX, the biggest trap that everyone falls into is when they've got a salary sacrifice arrangement. So it might be a government agency and I'll try and be as clear as possible here. If someone's earning $60,000 as a package, okay, and their work allows them to salary sacrifice $15,000 on entertainment, accommodation or whatever, their tax return says that their taxable income is $45,000, but there's a, and then throughout the year, their employer is only withholding tax and help hex repayments based on the 45,000, right? Which is under the threshold anyway. Of repayment, mm. but on the PAYG summary, there's a section. Correct me if I'm wrong, Hannah. I'm just explaining this so I'm clear on it. No, definitely. <laughs> um, there's a section that is called a reportable fringe benefit, and then what happens is that fifteen thousand dollars of salary sacrifice or fringe benefits gets lumped straight on there, and then all of a sudden you're assessed on the hex or help repayment based on sixty thousand dollars, and that's when you get a tax bill for HEX. For HEX, yeah. Yeah, and I think the the biggest confusion there is that people think that they're paying more tax, which it's actually just a repayment of your help debt. Yes. So it's just timing. You would have repaid that in the future anyway if That's you don't right. more income. Yeah. Um, whereas people will just, just see it as being tax, whereas it's yeah. actually just a repayment of their, now, their help debt. question, to overcome this problem, would it be fair to say, go to the ATO website and if you're on... 85 grand, or if you're on, we'll just use that example. If we're on $60,000, go, yes, you have to pay 5% or whatever it is. What is it? Four, five? I don't know. Whatever it is. Actually, just wait. I'm going to quickly just get that. Um, and I think it's also important to note that it's if you look at salary sacrificing superannuation contributions, so more than what um, 
is required by your employer that can also have a reportable superannuation contribution which works in the same way. So yeah. your, your um, take-home pay will be reduced each pay period but then at the end of the year the superannuation contributions get back, added back on there mm. to make sure that you're repaying the right level of HEX or that you assess the right level for Medicare levy surcharge. Yes, yeah. sweet. So the 20 financial year 2018-2019 um, so I need to talk any louder over there. Um, the so if you're earning sixty thousand, if you're earning sixty three thousand dollars, the repayment is four point five percent. So it wasn't far off, right? Now, if you salary sacrifice and you get below the forty two thousand, the zero percent repayment threshold. So an exercise might be to grab your calculator and work out the full. Let's have a look here. So I'm just going to do $60,000 a year. Well, it'll actually fall into the 4%. Times 4% equals $2,400. So you work that out. Just Google hex payment threshold or hex repayment threshold. 2400 divided by you might get paid fortnightly. That's $92. Get your work to withhold an extra $92 a fortnight. If your salary sacrificing... 15,000, whatever it is, to get under the 40,000. Does that make sense? Did mm. I explain that yeah, right? Yeah. Or you can put it away in post-tax dollars. Yeah. Yeah. If, and you can put that away in account if you've got your cash flow system and Correct. you're under control. Yes. If you're loose and you can't control yourself, mm. work it out that you have to pay $92 a fortnight yep. and just get work to withhold that because it's going to, that's not paying extra tax so you get a tax refund. I'm not talking about that. Yeah. I'm just talking about covering that hex or help repayment threshold. Mm. Yeah. So, I think people get confused with um, the the amount they have to pay back versus the interest they're actually paying on it. The, the interest they're actually paying on the debt is quite minimal, isn't it? Yes. So, yeah. I wouldn't be in any hurry to be paying that back any quicker than I have to. Yeah, there, there used to be a discount that you would get if you paid voluntary contributions up yep. front, but that's disappeared. So, mm. there's no real um, incentive to yeah. pay it off any earlier. So, as a rule of thumb, don't pay any extra hex or help unless it's strategic with your mortgage broker and you might have a very small amount left and they say, look, just pay it off because you'll get the mortgage if it's yeah. gone. Uh, but other than that, do not pay any extra money off your hex or help because if the inflation rate is 1.9%, it's effectively the cheapest you're going to get. Yeah. There's no point getting a personal loan and paying 8% just to pay your hex or help and then smashing the personal loan. That's exactly mm. right. Um, yeah. But just be careful of that trap with the salary sacrifice and packaging. Mm. And a lot of people jump up and down with outrage that, oh, I've had to pay hex and this and that. It's because throughout the year, I'll repeat this for my own benefit, throughout the year, your employer, when they're putting your taxable salary in at $40,000, oh, we don't have to withhold anything for tax, for tax. but at the end of the financial year, they lump that $15,000, $16,000 on the PAYG summary, which brings HEX online or HELP online for the whole $60,000 amount, hence getting the bill for $2,500. Mm. Yep. Well explained. Thanks, John. For yourself. <laughs> 
Um, and it, talking about group certificates or payment summaries. So, yes. um, the ATO has introduced, well, Treasury has introduced um, new requirements around employer reporting. Um, effectively, employers as of, um, if, if your business that you work for has more than 20 employees, as of 1 July this year, um, they're required to start reporting on a real-time basis to the ATO your gross income, your taxes withheld and your super contributions. Each pay cycle. Each pay cycle. So, wow. so some um, employers, you know, their software isn't ready to go to, to do that reporting, so they've come on board later. Um, but all employers are required to start reporting, even those with only a few employees mm. as of... Um, July this year and what that means is that the information will all be electronically sent to the ATO so you won't necessarily get a payment summary anymore, a group certificate, it'll all be through MyGov and available online for you or through for your tax agent. is previously called pre-filling or pre-filled? Yes, yeah. yeah. So, the same same kind of um, information. Yeah. Uh, it's just that you won't necessarily... So, previously, you would be sent a payment summary mm. from your employer, either in the post or you'll get it online yeah. uh, from your, your work. Um, now, that information will be available with the ATO electronically. Yeah. Um, so, it's a bit of a different experience for people um, going forward, but also things like your superannuation contributions well, are being... Pre- reported to exactly. to the ATO so the ATO can do data matching in the background to make sure that you're actually receiving that money in your super fund because as well. Because your super fund has your tax file number and that's what I would say until this kind of is fully implemented, every year, even if it's a tax time, just log into your super account and make sure the contributions are going in. And the reason I say that, on your pay slip every fortnight, every week, every month, it's actually got the amount, how much super was paid and it might have $250 super. Just because it's on your pay slip, that's the amount that the employer in the background has allocated for your super. Now, whether they pay that or not is another issue. Mm. So, just because, because I was talking to a friend the other day and he said, and I said, oh, has your employee been paying your super? He goes, oh, yeah, it's, it's on my pay slips. So, we logged in, had a look at his account, no super contributions. Now, it's going to give you a lot harder for employers to forget to pay with the tracking with the clearing house that the ATO use now and this one time or the real time reporting mm-hmm. so mm. I think that's a big win for us consumers for one of a better word yeah. or taxpayers yeah. that um, if there is a boss who is lax with their management of their own money yeah. they're not going to last yeah and I know we we um, forgot to do it once with our employer and we got a letter from them saying tax uh you, you need to pay super so yeah and yeah. If, if your employer hasn't paid your super and then the ato finds out don't worry the employer has to pay a penalty and i think yeah. it's about 10 percent. Mm. so there's a interest so effectively they have to pay extra to just super fund yeah to your super fund to say yeah. well if you'd actually paid it when it was supposed to have been paid it it may have have grown. you may have yeah. grown yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 so just on um money growing and dividends and interest earning accounts and term deposits and things like that for someone out there listening that's maybe just delved into that world and they've got themselves a dividend from a share or, or um, some interest from a, a, a term deposit, 
How is that applied come tax time on top of their taxable income? So if you've provided your tax file number, there's no requirement to have any taxes withheld from, say, your interest. Yep. Um, so if you do have um, interest during the year, if you owe any tax, it will be assessed when you lodge your tax return. Um, and with your dividends, you have, if you have any franking credits, those will flow through to your return um, through the reporting. Um, but otherwise, then if you do owe money on those dividends, it will be due when you lodge your return. Yeah. So can they get an idea as to what tax they may have to pay on on those franking credits or, um, or or dividends? Yes, so there's plenty of calculators online that you can go in and punch it, punch in your numbers yep. just to see what where you sit. Um, and so this comes back to, I suppose, making sure you have all your documents together and being org- organised yeah. um, to make that so much easier. Yeah. Um, and if you do use an accountant, if you do realise you will need to pay money mm. um, rather than get a refund, yeah. you can look at lodging your return later to, to defer when you need to actually make that Cause, payment. Because someone that's early on in there in investing, whether it be shares of property or, or term deposits or whatever it may be, may not have advised the accountant that they'd actually bought those. So they could come around to June 30 and, and the accountant only first realises now that this person's had it for nine months and, and they've already been receiving dividends. Mm. Let's move on to uh, other deductions such as uniforms and work-related clothing. Yep. Now, these boots that I'm wearing, these boots were made for walking. Um, <laughs> they're R.M. Williams. They're part of my uniform, you know, my day-to-day image, my brand. That was $695. Can I claim these on tax? Hannah said to me before that you're actually yeah, a fake country shut up. boy. No. Right? And I quite agree with that. <laughs> Prancing around the city, <laughs> being look, a city boy in country wear. Look, they're the most comfortable bloody shoes on the planet. And if you've got R.M. Yep. Williams, you'll agree with me. Yep. So, can I claim these uh, boots on tax? Unfortunately not. Um, so, generally when it comes to uniform, um, it needs to be uh, work required uh Uniform, so generally it will have a logo on it of some description, um, or it'll be for safety requirements. Sure. So you know, if you work on a um, building or construction site, you need to have your hard cap Still boots. Cut. Yeah. yeah, so that you don't hurt yourself. So unless it's for a uniform that has a logo on it, or if, if it's for safety requirements, and unfortunately not. So you can look as stylish as you like. You can protect your feet. Well, you know, paper clips can fall off the table, yeah. and microphones in the studio. Yeah, strategic accounting. And Still I guess coffee on yourself. Yeah, so <laughs> if you're in a cafe, um, I guess your employer would be providing you with an apron, but if you somehow thought you wanted your own apron or something and they let you, you could buy that and claim that on tax. Um, so it would need to be specifically for your um, your role and for a safety or um, other requirement, but otherwise it would need to have a logo on it. Right. And that's probably one of the biggest things that I see is people trying to claim dry cleaning for like <laughs> ball gowns because they went to the Christmas party. Yeah. So as a, as a property coach, sometimes I have to get out on development sites to look at s- potential sites for clients and I need RM Williams boots to get out on those development sites. Can I claim that? If they're for safety reasons, then yeah. 100% Which, they're for safety. But... You would have to pro rata the use of them, would you? Uh, well, I suppose generally if it's less than $300, you can claim a deduction outright. I don't know how you'd prorate the use of boots though. <laughs> and also, I thought you would probably have to get steel-capped RMs to say they're for safety. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, it's not happening, champion. Don't think you can whiz your way out of that. 
Um, donations. Yes, so th- um, that's a common one that people forget. So if yeah. you make any cash donations um, to any Australian registered charities, you can claim a deduction for them. And generally, that's only where we you don't receive something in return. So if you go and buy, you know, your legacy pin or your your yeah. pen at the cash register at the supermarket on your way out, those those kind of things don't count. How's this best story? I think I've shared it on this podcast before. I was at a charity auction, bought a fifteen hundred dollar piece of artwork. Cancer Council sent me a, a receipt for $1,500 donation. Claimed that all day long. Yeah. <laughs> so you should. Legitimate. So you should. So buy your artwork at charity auctions. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where I was going with that. But yeah, so <laughs> donations, you know, if you do support um, whatever you, your sponsor child generally is tax deductible, you just got to make sure that... Um, on this fine print, it's got deductible gift recipient, or we call it a DGR status. Mm-hmm. Status can't talk. That's exactly right. Um, what cool. other common errors do you see if we haven't covered them? Um, I think um, just not having the, not being able to document. So if the ATO says, "Oh, your you know deductions are a little high," can you explain or give us some more details? Just claiming the same amount as last year. It's, that's so common. Hmm. Um, <laughs> Whoops. Like, oh, it'll be the same as last year. Just yeah. put in the same figure. Sure. Um, or um, probably the other part would be um, missing things. And that's where um, if you make sure that you have all your documents together and um, making sure that the information is available and ready to go. So there is always eager beavers who want to lodge on the 1st of July. Um you're more at risk. Not if you're taxed. <laughs> not if you're paying money, no. <laughs> well, it's like it's funny. There was a Facebook campaign the other day. Someone's child was doing some jump rope art thing or whatever. And I jumped on and sponsored the campaign. And they emailed me like, um, oh, tax receipt. I'm thinking, crap. It's another <laughs> bloody bit of paperwork. Like, I hate it. And if you run a... I don't know. But there's... there's Pretty cool apps, and also one on the weekend with one of my clients. It's pretty cool apps where you can just um, quickly take a photo and it goes straight into your system, doesn't it? Like into, yeah. Hooks up to zero and that sort of bizarre. Yeah, exactly. If you use any accounting software, mm. um, the ATO has their own app as well to, for tracking of deductions. Interesting. Like oh, I wouldn't well. get on that one. No. <laughs> <laughs> How's this? Dangerous. You know how people like get all weird about like privacy and all that mm. stuff and you know, oh, I'm not consenting for them to use my information and all that, like whatever, like if yeah. you're at the supermarket or, okay, let's just unpack this. One, if you use Flybys or will, will if you use Flybys or Woolworths rewards, they're not doing it to reward you, they're doing it to collect data. Okay, let's say that. Yeah. Number two, I wouldn't freak out about any type of privacy because as long as you've got a tax file number and you pay tax in Australia, the ATO probably know more about you than your wildest dreams. Mm. So, yeah. We don't own anything, unfortunately, anymore. No, uh, I don't. I didn't answer your question before about lending, so I want to just quickly sure. cover off on that. Oh, one. Oh yeah, why didn't we? I don't know. I think you went on a, a bit of a tangent, <laughs> which I've been known to <laughs> yes, once or twice. So, yeah. So someone, and this is probably more for the self-employed, right? Because otherwise, you've got a PAYG. Um, pay slips and, and away you go for lending. But in the self-employed world, you're juggling between this, okay, what can I claim as a tax deduction as a business owner versus how do I get a loan to go and buy a car or a house or 
whatever it may be. So it's a really fine line, isn't it, Hannah, between saying, well, um, I need to declare X amount of income, otherwise I won't get a loan, versus not paying too much tax, yes, I suppose. Yes, if exactly. That, um, that is having yeah. that balance right, I suppose. Yeah. Finding so, what works for you, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, in lending world, there's there's a full doc for business owners, which is provide everything, tax returns, BAS, the whole works. And then there's low doc, which is basically as little as an, an accountant's declaration, isn't it? And maybe one or two BAS statements. So um, I'm a I'm a big advocate for those type of loans, provided that it works for your situation. But it depends on everyone's personal situation as to which way they need to go with that. And, and that's where you really need a sophisticated accountant to sit down with before the fact. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and there's other things that come into play as well. Um, you know, if you're looking at a family and you have a spouse with income as well, um, what, are, what are the other factors that you need to consider? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's interesting stuff as a business owner. And there's a lot of listeners that are side hustlers. And, and I met with someone yesterday who is side hustling and he's side hustling really well to the point where he's probably only five or six months away from replacing his income and, and pulling the pin and telling his boss, see you later. Mm. So uh, we discussed about getting our ducks in a row from a tax and accounting perspective with structures to make sure that we've got the cart before the horse and not the other way around because you can't reverse these things in a lot of cases. Horse before the cart, but yeah. <laughs> Is a horse before the cart or you say sometimes? putting the cart before the horse? <laughs> well, some, sometimes you can turn it around. Do you do you want to just finish on Mike Gov? Anything you want to add? Yeah. So, yeah. Hannah, I'll get you to finish up, and we'll let everyone go. Uh, My Gov and the single touch payroll stuff. Yeah. So, um, if you um, want to look at doing your return yourself, um, the ATO. If once you link your My Gov account, which is uh, an online account that you can have that. Um, it links you to uh, a multitude of government services. Once you link your ATO to MyGov so that you can access it through that one secure portal, um, you can actually complete your return quite easily through there. Um, the information that the ATO has available, um, li- primarily linked to your TFN, will be available in there for you to effectively pre-populate that or the pre-filling that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, and you can use that to lodge your return yourself online or at least just get an indication as to what, what the... A, the ATO already has on you before you go into to um, your accountant to do your return. Yeah, sweet. So again, MyGov's great for tax and also Medicare. Um, it's it's just really good. The information's there. You may as well have access to it. Yeah. And then what's this single touch payroll crap? Yeah, so um, is it crap? I don't know. <laughs> Never heard of it. Well. You're talking about group certificates before and then payment summaries. So, um, single-touch payroll will effectively replace those payment summaries. So, um, depending on your employer, it will be for this year or for next year. Um, The information will come electronically through to you through... Um, from your employer through to MyGov, um, it will be available there for you to do your return. It replaces. I think it's going to be called now an income statement rather than a payment summary. Sure. Um, and that's just a different way for the ATO to collect that data and give that to you um, to make things more streamlined. So all pay slips. Uh, so not necessarily pay slips because yep. that's that's done um, internally. Yeah, mm. and it's under different requirements. I think that's under yep. Fair Work. Yeah. Um, but. 
your whatever's being reported through, you'll be able to access there. So okay. um, on a real time basis, you can go yeah. in and see what your cumulative salary is, your tax withheld, and your sure. super contributions. Sweet. Well, I think that's been you're you're a wealth of knowledge, Hannah. Very much I so. Think Hannah, it's been Learned really great. Yeah. yeah, we should get you back in twelve months' time. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's sweet. Mm. Do you want to hang around for some listener questions, Hannah? Yeah, sure. All right. Well, thanks again, Hannah, for the tax tips and the tax chats. Thanks, Hannah. No problems. Anytime. Hey, I know I crap on all the time about getting our foundations in place, but our personal protection plan is something you need to do today. I know many of our listeners have got this set up, but if you're one of them and haven't already, go to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and I'll put you in touch with someone who can guide you through. Generally, there's no cost to have an initial chat. And if you're young, fit and healthy, you need to get this stuff in place today. If you've got a family and you're not covered, hey, what if you freaking died? I'm not messing around. You need to get insured. Do it. Do it now. And anyone that I refer you to will do it the same way that we teach and we talk about here. And that advice provider, wherever you are in Australia, are happy to have a complimentary discussion with you at no cost to see where you're at and see if they can help. So what have you got to lose? Have a chat today. Jump on to sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. So Marianne asks... Well, she actually just commented on the way into the Facebook group. I say, do you want anything for us to talk about? Um, and this, she just said, gym memberships and money. Now, I'm fat and unhealthy, so <laughs> I don't have a gym membership. Do you want to add anything to that, John? About you being <laughs> fat and unhealthy or uh, gym memberships? Just in general. <laughs> uh, look, gym memberships, um, all for getting fit and staying fit and keeping fit. Um, do we need a gym membership? If it floats your boat and you're going to use it, knock yourself out. If mm. you one that signs up and two weeks later or three months later you stop using it, then gym membership's not for you. Mm. You might need something else. Do you have any comments? I, I also find um, I like running, um, but you can go running outside as often as you want, but just being having the weights there or the pool there to, to do some kind of cross-training is really good. Yeah. Um, and mm. also there's sometimes when the weather's not so great, you'd rather be inside. Yeah, to be honest, I want to look deeper into her statement. Would you guys let me do that? Go for your life. I think what I'm implying that she's saying should we be spending money on gym memberships? Yeah, absolutely. Is it, is it a luxury in today's world? Well, living? I'm also... I'm, absolutely, John. Absolutely. I'm going to go deeper. Go deep. The fact that she's asking the question could mean that she's paying for a gym membership and there's a bit of guilt there. Maybe now, validation. Now, the guilt could be a couple of things. I actually can't afford it and... My life is a financial mess and I'm struggling and I live week to week and I just think if you could afford it. So, we'll step back. I don't question whether I should have three coffees a day because I can afford $12 a day on coffees, Mm -hmm. okay? If my life was a bit messy and I had other debt to clean up, I might start to question some of these luxuries. And we need to be very clear, the gym is luxury, Okay. Now, I would say, if you are serious about getting on top of your finances and your life's a financial mess or whatever, and you're in debt, I'd probably say, maybe, you can make the call, you're a big boy or gal, maybe 
you need to press pause on the gym membership and put that $80 a month into debt reduction and go for a jog. I don't know. It might be that I need to stay fit and focused so my mental health is better and I'm happy to take that. I don't know. I'm just saying the fact that she's asking about it mm. might mean that she needs to stop the gym membership for now. Yeah, and I think she yeah, she may just need validation. She may not... She she wants a third party to, yep. to give a, an opinion on it. Now, I would say that, yes, she's got to be able to be afford it, but what sort of price can you put on your health? If gym membership is the only option for her in her life to stay physically and mentally healthy, then you've got to do that. There's a high price to put on your own health. Absolutely. Right? So I would say which is more important, health or financial? I would say health. Yes, but I would also say, if you can't afford it, go for a freaking run. That's another conversation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely exactly. another conversation. But, but she may have tried that and, that's right. and the gym is the best option absolutely. for her and I would say absolutely. go for it. The next level is a personal trainer. Do you need a personal trainer? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Yeah. And again, these questions, we can, they're more just for a topical discussion and a bit of fun because we can mm. make all these assumptions. Yeah. So, we can disagree with each other and yeah. carry on. And what I would say as well, like we always do... Um, is there could be the situation, Marianne, she may earn 150 grand a year. She may have not one cent of personal debt. She may have close friends who are a financial train wreck. They can't afford the gym. They're going, oh, it's such a ripoff. It's this or that. And putting that guilt on her and she's starting to question, oh, should I have a gym membership? It's like, no, Marianne, you can freaking afford it because you're killing it. Yeah. Don't listen to everybody else. Yeah, don't listen to the naysayers, Marianne. Mm. If you've got Do you have any final gym comments? But also, Hannah? is she using it? So I think it feels as though there might be a bit of guilt there because she's not making the most out of the mm. actual membership. So mm. take a pause. Say that you're going away. Take some time off and see, you know, in that two-week period, three-week period, are you actually missing it? Do you Would you find yourself at the gym? And, uh, and it goes back to like... I pay for Netflix $18 a month, right? I can't tell you the last time I watched something on Netflix. <laughs> There's four other people's names in my account that use it. Mm. I'm not cancelling it because one, I can afford it and two, the off week that I want to watch something and throw it on, I just want it there. So it is that. If you're not using it, maybe ditch it. But if you're on a million dollar salary a year, it's not moving the needle. So, hey, it's a good discussion and again, we just want to be a bit of a think tank for all these questions we'll ask we'll have one more uh fee asks i work for a university and they won't let me change superannuation providers is this legal jeez we need aaron well we don't speak of the dead (laughs) (laughs) glenn i'll send Uh, that to her yeah i'd say no it's not legal i wouldn't have thought what do you think hannah I know the answer. I'm just leading the witness. I feel as though it depends. Mm. Not not always straightforward answers. No, that's right. So, broadly speaking, in Australia, there's uh, they call it superannuation choice. So you can tell your employer that I want to choose that you put money in this super fund. Mm. Now, with and this is not a political statement, but with every good union and labour governor. No, I'm not even going to go there. No. <laughs> not going there. But there are carve-outs where there are, and the universities is one of them. So, if you're an employee of university, 
if you're an employee of the university, there's a carve out in the law to say that they must pay money into uni super. You cannot choose. Yep. Where, so, in answer to her question, direct answer, yes, that is legal. There is another carve out. I know that there are, for example, a big retail chain. If you're a run-of-the-mill retail employee, you can't choose where you want your super to go. It's got to go to rest, okay? So, there are a couple of little carve-outs, mm. but in that same company, once you get to management, they let you choose. And I think because of these institutions have that many casual employees or with that one person doing a lecture, it's just easier blanket yeah, yeah. to have the one fund. Is it right? I don't think so. One thing that the Royal Commission into banking and financial services mentioned was that to pin one default fund to everyone's ATO, yeah. TFN basically, I think it would track through the ATO. So at least there would be one fund that follows you whatever job you have. Yeah, that'd be good idea. So in answer to their question, um, is it legal? Yes, in that instance there is. There are some carve-outs and there's nothing mm-hmm. you can do about it. Oh, cool. All right. Well, thank you so much, um, Hannah. Oh, Hannah, do you want a celebrity review read? Let's do. <laughs> let's have Hannah do a celebrity <laughs> review read. Um, so, is this from um, like iTunes or? Yeah. So this is iTunes. Do you want to maybe just read the bottom one? It's a five star. Uh, educational and fun listening. Great podcast, easy listening, and some absolute nuggets of gold within each episode. Keep up the great work, guys. What about that middle one? P.S. Glenn Rules. You didn't read that part. Where's that? No, it's not. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The middle one, it's another five star from Carl D. The best move we ever made. After listening to the podcast for quite some time, my partner and I decided to book a meeting with John. Our goal was to buy a house together, but we felt like we weren't getting anywhere. After one meeting, we walked away with a clear strategy and we're given some great insights that will help us get into the market a lot sooner than we expected. I highly recommend John to anyone that is looking to achieve any financial goal. It was the best move we ever made. Wow. Thanks, Carl. What up, Carl? And the top one by Matt. Fun infotainment. Just trying to... Just trying to help Glenn get his 4.7 star rating up to a rounded five. But great podcast. Already been in touch to get my to help get my foundation sorted. And I hope to contact John soon about property once I have a decent deposit. Nice. And the reason why Hannah was misreading that because I was holding the laptop and I was wobbling. <laughs> he was nervous. <laughs> so hey, that was a great episode. Long episode on yeah, tax. Good. And uh, we'll definitely get you back next year. Yeah, it'll be awesome. Twelve months time, 12 months. more it changes. Goes fast, doesn't it? it? Does so. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's not as boring as people think. Tax. No, no it's not. Mm. Yes. It's worse. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Hannah made it interesting. Yeah. She's not one of those boring accountants. No, not you, at all. You have to be a people person to work in accounting. I have to say. Do you? Okay. Can you let the other story? accountants <laughs> know that then? <laughs> okay. Last question. If you were to go to RM Williams tomorrow and buy some boots, what would you get? Of what type of boots? Yeah. Um, what do you mean? Like, in there, like I just get chocolate brown color, I reckon. Yeah, that's right. Chocolate brown. <laughs> chocolate brown. There we go. Yeah. Sweet. Suede. tan. Would you go suede? No. Just touch, touch them. <laughs> they're, they're, they're brown suede. Touch it, John. Touch it. Yeah. You see, oh, if, yeah. if you're using them for what they're Feels meant like for. like a cow you... to me. <laughs> <laughs> if you're out in the farm, they're going to get dirty. So, that's why you just need the, the normal. Yeah, well, there's a chances of him going to a farm are zero and none. 
we're going to end there. All right. Thank you. See ya. Bye. Bye. If you are after personal financial advice, this podcast is not for you. In fact, it's a general advice podcast. But if you do want somebody to talk to, jump onto sortyourmoneyout.com and click on Get Help and I'll be able to put you in touch with an advisor or a mortgage broker who can actually sit down with you or have a Skype or a Zoom meeting and really work out what you need based on your own personal circumstances. This podcast supports the charity A21. They operate in over 12 countries around the world and their goal is to end human trafficking. So please consider supporting A21. Get behind them. They are all about the one, the one woman, the one man, the one child trapped, exploited and unable to see any positive end to their story. So please check out A21 on Instagram or a21.org forward slash au. Get behind them. I certainly do. Remember, we hang out on Insta at My Millennial Money. If you're a regular listener, you're welcome to join our Facebook group. If you want more money hacks, be sure to subscribe to My Millennial Money Express. It's short money hacks anywhere, anytime, right into your ears. Any advice in this podcast is of a general nature only and has not been tailored to your personal circumstances. Please seek personal advice prior to acting on this information. Before making a decision to acquire a financial product, you should obtain and read the product disclosure statement relating to that product. Opinions constitute our judgment at the time of issue and are subject to change. Neither the licensee, any of the National Australia Group of Companies, nor their employees or directors give any warranty of accuracy nor accept any responsibility for errors or omissions in this podcast. Glenn James, Urban Ghetto Proprietary Limited, trading as Sort Your Money Out, are authorised representatives of Apogee Financial Planning Limited, AFSL 230689. Everything I've done in my own personal business in my life, it's been by the rules, you know, well, consciously making a decision Mm. to follow the rules, like ethical, because I think you just have more longevity or karma or whatever you want to call it, Mm. if you just play by the rules. You can sleep at night, can't you? You can sleep at night. And I mean, I know people that they've got all this money in the world. Like I had a client the other day and he had literally $60,000 cash laying at home. Mm. Like, obviously a tradie, obviously taking cash. I'm like, and now they've got a problem. They don't know how to get rid of it. Like, Mm. I just can't entertain any of that because it creates more problems. Mm. And before we get back to Hannah about the tax stuff, do you want to touch on people that want to pay less tax to save on... People want to earn less to pay less tax, how it could actually be an Achilles heel for lending? For lending. Yeah, well, it's, um, I mean, and I flippantly said I want to reduce my tax. Yeah. But. But you're as dodgy as they all, <laughs> as, as they come, John. I'm all for strategic accounting. I think there's, you work hard to earn the dollars, number one, and uh, what's fair and reasonable. If you can claim an expense, you claim the expense, well, it's, right? But even financial planning, it's a game of chess. Mm. If I don't know the game well, I pay an accountant who knows the game. Correct. And they'll play to the rules. But, and and no disrespect to all the accountants out there, including yourself, Hannah, but there are some accountants that are more conservative by nature than others. Absolutely. Right. So I encourage everyone to to find an accountant that's going to fit your profile and your occupation and your industry and everything else that knows that inside and out. Mm. 
um, and also is reasonably aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> That, definitely a- definitely someone that has the same outlook as you and that you feel comfortable dealing with. Um, you want to make sure that you are um, able to claim everything you can, but then at mm. the same time that um, you're, you know, you would feel as though um, they're doing the right thing by you and that they'll have your back if something goes wrong. Yeah, yeah correct. And, and, I, and I will add, like, I've spent a... Th- I spent thousands of dollars on accountants, okay? Like, mm. I... It's funny, when I first started my business, right, I remember the first year, my tax payable was $5,000. I had a stroke. I'm like, it may as well be 500000 I just don't have $5,000. Yeah. <laughs> last year's tax bill from just... Last year's bill just from my accountant was over $7,000. Mm. So, I don't like paying that, but I know you have to get advice and you have to do things the right way. Yeah. Yeah, and, and look, in, in saying that... And also, can I just... Go. Yeah, sorry. I am sorry. I always bite you. But in saying that, as much as I... Don't look at me like that. I didn't. I looked <laughs> no, at no, Hannah. You did. <laughs> um, as much as, you know, we pay accountants fees to do the work and they're professionals, there's a misconception out there that if you get, oh, I've got this dodgy accountant in the back alley and he's got me 20 <laughs> grand return... That's cute, but if you break the law, they're not after the accountant, no, they're after, after you. you. Sure, they might get washed up and the accountant gets barred from mm. his or her association, but the onus and the responsibility falls on you, the taxpayer. Yeah, and I think it's our duty of care or duty of knowledge to be able to go and research the right accountant for your situation. I mean, and I tell this story often, it was probably 10 or 12 years ago, I had an accountant who I trusted and respected, um, did a, a tax estimate and there was an 18 grand um, bill there waiting for me. And, and I just asked some key questions and thought, yeah, I'm still not happy with that response. So I, I engaged a second accountant to do a similar estimate and it turned out that it was a 15K refund. Wow. Now, that's a big decision, right, mm. or in a big overturn. Um, still playing by the rules and... and I suppose the message in that is um, if, you, if you know the rules inside and out, like you're saying, Hannah, is jump on the ATO and have a look and what you can and can't claim. Don't trust that your, your trusted advisors around you are doing what they need to do without you being involved. Mm. You've got to take some ownership over it. Yeah, and I guess that goes back to... So, real talk, I went to a concert the other night in Sydney and sat down up the back. Do you guys sit or stand when you buy your tickets? What do you do, Hannah? It depends on um, the type of music, I think. Yeah. Um, If I'm inclined to get up and dance, then definitely standing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you book sitting or seats or the mosh pit, John? Look, as I've aged, I'm usually a sitting man. Yeah. No, the combination doesn't really worry me. What was the last concert you went to? I think it was Paul McCartney. Who the hell's that? Where? Who the hell? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Nah, joking. (laughs) Not really into their music, but whatever. That's cool. Might have been a day on the green, too. Don't mind those relaxed days. It's not your scene, is it? Nah. It's too family for you. Yeah. (laughs) Why, so, have you, why have you got a name tag on? 
Oh, I'm at a professional development day because I'm a professional. <laughs> so that's why we're at the Sheridan on the Park. I, Feeling left out here. Yeah, huh? I, organize, I organize the interviews for where I am mm. and you come to me, John. Whatever suits you, big boy. So don't call me big, don't call me big boy, um, but you're welcome to. Shout out to Mitch. He's a full-time uni student, casual retail worker, living in Sydney and working in the CBD. He's probably right next door. Uh, shout out to Eden Marsh uh, in Brisbane. I think it's a female. It's a bit of a both that name, isn't it? Yeah, I'd take it as male. Yeah. I'm actually chatting with Eden next week. Eden Marsh? Yes. Okay. It's mm. a... <laughs> <laughs> Is your volume all right? Yeah. Okay. Might just be just need... my voice. Oh, I just need to be a bit more consistent over there with the um, holding of it. <laughs> <laughs> and don't breathe into the mic. Okay. Use your mouth, not your nose. A shout out to Eden Marsh from Briz Vegas, uh, working towards the goal with his partner of buying their first home or investment property. Uh, they want to have two properties under the, under their belt before they're thirty. They want to have two properties under their belt before they're thirty years old. What a goal! Love it. Are you working with them? No, okay. but I'm chatting with him next week. Sweet. I'm, well, I won't even add that. Um, <laughs> another sh- another shout out to Jasmine. Uh, she's in Melbourne. She works for a digital agency and she spent her 20s traveling and living overseas. Her goal is to self... Oh, that'll do. I work for a... Di- Sorry. When I've had a full day, I get fried. <laughs> we all do, don't worry. We need uh, another coffee. I yeah. Think. Another shout out to Jasmine. She's in Melbourne. She works for a digital agency. She works for a digital agency and she spent her 20s working and traveling overseas. Another shout out to Kitty Park. She's also from Melbourne. A few Melbourneites. Yeah, it's good we, to see. And we did get to catch a few of them at our recent little event in Melbourne. What a cracker it was. What a banger. <laughs> Loved it. Love to meet everyone. Yeah. So let's have a chat about tax. You guys ready? Love it. Yeah. Sweet. Jeez, what a train wreck. Um, I don't need to add anything else, do I? I'm not feeling present today. Really? All right. <clears throat> no, it's all right. <laughs> Let's get into this. If people saw how unprofessional these were, it's a joke. Yeah, this is the big, the good inside view. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm don't, loose as. Don't tell anyone, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Let's go. So thanks, Hannah, for uh, giving us your afternoon and sneaking out of work. Now, did you? This is the question, John. Mm. Did you tell your employer, Hannah, that you've got a very important appointment, or did you say I'll, I'll make the time up? How do you do it? How did you get out of work early? Well, I actually have some stuff to do tonight anyway, so I just said I was leaving early and I'll be back online later. Oh, nice! Ooh, That's the lingo, isn't it. it? Yeah, I'm back online. Back. On- I run a money podcast and a lot of people are like, wow, you must know so much about the markets, investing and all that stuff. Well, the truth is I have some secret sauce. Every day I use the Australian Financial Review app as part of my subscription and it just keeps my finger on the pulse with what's happening around the world in Australia in relation to companies, politics, all the stuff. So you can also be like me. Well, you probably don't want to be like me. 
However, you can also get access to all the stuff that I use to prepare podcasts and keep my finger on the pulse. So if this type of analysis and information is something that you want to plug into your life, you might be thinking, what can I do? Well, you can invest in your success with a subscription to the Financial Review. Subscribe during the end of financial year sale to save 50% or more for your first three months. Visit afr.com forward slash subscribe. That's afr.com forward slash subscribe. The offer ends on 30th of June. Terms and conditions apply.